commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome to the seventh installment of the Banal of America Coronavirus Special Report with the co-host, Dr. Tyler Cokejohn. Uh, I'll be honest, Tyler, I, when we started this, I kind of figured last week would have been the last episode. I was like, ah, this will be a fun little, this will be a fun little six-week thing, and then this thing will go away, and you know, we'll look back on it and be like, oh, that was crazy. What happened there? But uh, we're still in the thick of it. We're still, uh, we're really in the shit, man. We're really in the shit. So, 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 yeah. so we're back here for a seventh week, uh, you know, and we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, welcome back, brother. We made it, we made it through another week. Yeah, that's exactly, I think, how we look at it is one step at a time and a lot of steps to go. Absolutely, absolutely. This is like the craziest soap opera situation. Uh, just, you know, all the outrages of last week have given way to new outrages and new <laughs> new controversies. And just, it's absolutely, uh, it's bonkers, man. It's bonkers. Um, uh, as we noted last week at the end of the show, we all, you know, we encourage callers. So if somebody's listening right now, the the call-in number is 646-378-1868. You know, we may not bring you on immediately, but uh, we'll bring you on after we talk a little bit. Uh, As as has become the uh, gruesome tradition here uh, at the beginning of the show, let's go over the numbers, uh, where we're at uh, this week. As far as uh, total coronavirus cases confirmed in the United States, we're up to 923,812, according to uh, Worldometer, which is the, my my page of choice right now. Um, and uh, we passed a gruesome milestone in deaths. We are at uh, 52,097 deaths here in the United States. So any illusions that this was going to top out at 50 or 60,000 I think is uh is I don't know what you'd even call that wishful thinking but it's 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 uh it's not going to be the case I don't think uh, unless something miraculous happens because uh, we're already at 52,000 so uh and I can guarantee you when we do the eighth installment of this program next week we will have topped a million cases in the United States officially of course uh you know as we've discussed all along the terrible lackluster testing procedures and everything uh, make it very difficult to really know how many people have it, have had it, 
uh, may get it. So just the fact that there's 923,000 cases right now is you can probably extrapolate from there uh, that it's a considerable amount more. What would you say? I mean, what, what would your guess be? I think you kind of intimated this to me in, in a Twitter conversation, but what would your guess be if we know for sure 923,000 people have it? How many think, uh, you know, really have it? 10 to 20 times more. 20 times more? Oh, 10 to 20 times more. Yeah, yeah. So um, just remember, we don't know all that much about the disease uh, itself, but uh, I think there was a um, prevalence study from New York where they were estimating one in five in New York City. Am I correct on that? Um, Jesus. Just because it, it's so sneaky. The agent is so sneaky. So the total number of infections, uh, one thing is part of them don't show. And some of them are so mild that the people uh, won't show up for testing. And even if they did, yeah. we didn't have enough tests to accommodate. So this is this is one of the problems with the agent is that it's uh, really difficult to control when you can't see it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talked to Adam Davies a couple of weeks ago, and he they said he was a probable case, but he's not in the count because they never tested him. Yes. So. Yes. You know. Now what will what will ultimately happen is. Uh, This is not uncommon where uh, we'll talk about confirmed uh, diagnoses and then also presumptive cases. And eventually that those presumptives like Alan will be, um, Adam will be uh, rolled in to the sort of like the grand total as they begin to look at the actual take and uh, what was really truly going on with this agent. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, we can't say that all of those people, that have uh, had flu-like symptoms in that time frame are going to be COVID cases, but indeed, I think um, there's a strong possibility that they will be, and not classic influenza. So, uh, yeah, as we go along, they'll keep adjusting the numbers. Trust me on that one. Yeah, for sure. That's a uh, that's a given for sure. Um, and as I was saying to you, is this the usual phone you use? You sound a little different. I got a new uh, set of headphones, but hang on. Uh, okay. All right. I think you're good. I think you're good. Um, as I was saying to you before we came on the air, uh, very worrisome here in the Bay State, very worrisome in Massachusetts. Um, the deaths have been coming fast and furious. Uh, there was about, f- well, yeah, let's just round it up by by the 50 here. There was 5,000 new cases just today. And uh, it's been about 200 deaths a day all all week. Uh, it's been absolutely unsettling. It's frightening. I can understand. I see these people in other places where there's, you know, you look at, let me look on the chart here. You look at Arkansas where there's only like 47 people have died. And it's like, I can kind of see if you're in Arkansas, it's like, what the hell, man, this is crazy talk. But it's like, gee, look at 2,500 people here in Massachusetts have died. This is, this is. This is frightening, frightening stuff. Um, uh, you know, Massachusetts is far and away the third, the third most active area uh, in America, uh, by a long distance behind New York and New Jersey, of course. But it's starting to put some, it's starting to put some daylight between the fourth place, which is California, who also had a, had quite a surge this week. Now they're up there; they're, they're at number four. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's. Uh, for, on a personal level, it's worrisome, 
being I wish I was I wish I was that guy in Arkansas. <laughs> I'd be I'd be a lot less concerned, but uh when it's running rampant in your own community, uh like I said, they have a they have a breakdown of by towns here in Massachusetts now. And it's gone it went from 91 last Wednesday to 131 today in just my town, in just my town, which is like a tiny, tiny, you know, bay, I think it, I think the population is like twenty thousand or something like that. So, so it's uh, it's unsettling. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and uh, honestly, since the cases are still increasing, what will happen is the deaths are always the slowest to show up. They will last, yeah. and so you're you're on a long spiral in terms of. Uh, total numbers of deaths before you peak out. Uh, it's gonna. This is the thing: is that it, it will, in fact, be. It, it's amazing. The epidemic is blindingly quick, in some ways, and ridiculously slow to evolve in others. Uh, and so the deaths are the, the slowest of the whole thing. This is one reason why you said 47 deaths in Arkansas. I think. Um, yeah. One one of the last things that you want to do is actually judge your response by the number of deaths. The reason being is that they are so far behind the actual infection curve that you're making a big mistake if you wait for, uh, say, 500 deaths before you're going to do anything. Because at that point, there will be 10 times that in terms of total case burden, and who knows how many people will ultimately expire. But this is is one of the great difficulties of – First of all, figuring out what the heck was going on, and that was initially, uh, at least partly due to the testing problem, but mustering the political will. You know, you, you, there's a, a strong air of unreality that when people are coming forward and saying, oh, geez, we got this disease, and, and you ask, well, how many cases? And it's like, well, one. You see, the problem is that, you no, know, you need, there's a certain threshold that you need to get public support for shutdowns and whatnot. So you're almost forced to wait to some degree. Uh, and each municipality, each location, each county does that on their own. And you can see there were a variety of opinions about when to move. And, uh, and some people have yet to really do much. So isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, as I was saying to you at the start before we got on the air, uh, I was I felt kind of bad when we finished the show last week because I thought the first like half of the program was really a bummer because I was just really pissed off about a lot of these protests and everything. Yeah, and I was just grumpy. Yeah, well, that's the weird thing about this. I think a lot of people can empathize with this, and I think I said this way back when we first started this, like on week two. Um, but you go through this roller coaster of emotions. Where sometimes you're pissed off, and sometimes you're you're frightened, and sometimes you're, you, you, uh, I mean, me personally, sometimes I have gallows humor about all this, and 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 sometimes it's uh, sometimes you want to cry. So yeah. uh, you know, last week I was just super pissed off, but <laughs> tonight I'm in a good mood. So hopefully, hopefully we'll have a, a little more lighthearted edition of the program um, for folks. Uh, the, the people, the people who, who were still listening, who, who didn't bail yeah. out last week, were like, "Fuck this! I'm out. This guy's losing his shit." Um, so we got. Let's take care of some listener questions here because that's one of the main focuses of the show, and I want to make sure I get to them. Uh, I want to make sure I get to them 
right away at the beginning. Let me find uh, the one I had here first, the one I sent you earlier. Yeah. All right. Okay. So this was this came from my friend uh, Ren Collier. Uh, he said, "Could you ask Doctor Coke John about antibody dependent enhancement on the next show?" And he included a link to an article uh, where it says uh, the article was came from France and says recovery from coronavirus may not confer immunity. Warn experts. And the guy who who posted the thing said, "Finally, the media is taking is talking about antibody dependent enhancement." Of SARS of, of coronavirus infection, we've been worried about this for months. So, what is antibody dependent enhancement? It's uh, uh, the way that it's being talked about here is it's something uh, where the immune system is provoked by uh, basically an infection, and antibodies to the agent are made. This is the, sort of the normal course of events, and they're intended to be protective. So, the second the agent can't get you a second time. One of the things that is uh, possible is uh, you may, the patients may produce antibodies that bind the agent, say coronavirus, but don't reliably neutralize it. And when that happens, there's actually a response where the uh, immune cells are responsible for surveilling what's going on, grab these viruses better and faster and internalize them, and, and you can start to fire more intensely, so to speak. So having some yeah. antibody uh, can actually create some problems for certain agents. Now, where people have seen this in the past is um, with uh, vaccines, believe it or not. Right. We talked that about that last failed. week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was a malady. There still is a malady. It's called atypical measles. But we had a sudden surge in atypical measles cases where they, they have hemorrhage-like events. Uh, on exposure to the, the wild-type virus after being vaccinated. And they, they had um, antibodies that would bind the measles uh, viruses but wouldn't hurt them, so to speak. And this just made the body go wild. More, more recently, yeah. I think we mentioned dengue, the dengue vaccine. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. similar problem, okay, a little bit different than measles, but same idea. So with coronaviruses, there, there's a family of them. And we have uh, several. In fact, it was first discovered as something causing common cold in children back in 1965. And they have a little bit of uh, uh, antigenic relationship. And this, is, this is one of the problems with trying to do uh, antibody studies is that we don't want cross-reaction. But it's possible that patients are having a really bad time with the coronavirus infection because they've got antibodies already pre-existing raised against other agents related that are actually sensitizing them. And, and we don't know. These are things that we'll find out. Uh, you don't want to have this happen. You know, it's pretty, pretty obvious. But this is also a reason when we do vaccines, we need to carefully check them to be sure that they hit the target that we want and that target is neutralized, is killed, basically destroyed or rendered by the antibodies, that the virus isn't going to come get in and do something bad. So we, it takes a while to figure that out. So there's some simple t uh, safety testing, but also efficacy, you know, does this really neutralize? <clears throat> All those things will have to be determined uh, carefully before we go ahead and release this thing, whatever vaccines we use, in general use. Because remember, you know, we'll, we'll start out with very, basically young, healthy people. That'll be our first uh, uh, sorts of uh, test projects. But we're going to give it to grandma 
you know, and her reactions may not quite be the same. So we want this, this particular uh, vaccine or vaccines to be uh, benign. And we want them to be helpful. Yeah. It takes a while to figure that out for sure. And there, as I always tell my students, there aren't really any half measures in medicine. You're either going to be right or you're going to be sorry. And uh, we don't want to be sorry. Right. Okay. Well, that covers that question. Now, the other uh, the other question comes from my my good friend and uh, Twitter virus expert Adam Go Rightly, and oh, no. uh, he yeah I know that guy. He's a good guy. Uh, he wants to know, <laughs> and I googled it to find out what he was specifically talking about. But uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures. If you Google China spray coronavirus, you'll know what I'm talking about, folks. But there's pictures of of people in China, like workers in hazmat suits, spraying white stuff, um, you know, which is disinfectant, I presume, because uh, that's what all the pictures, when I Googled uh, China spray coronavirus, it, it, uh, it would link to articles about how they're spraying disinfectant around. Um, so he wants to know uh, what was that stuff, which pretty 99% sure is disinfectant, and why aren't we using it over here? That's his... That's his question. You know what I'm talking about, right? You've seen those pictures of them spraying this, like, white kind yeah. of – it looks like fog almost. Yeah, and I've seen them in Korea, South Korea, doing the streets, oh, okay. that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you're exactly correct that they're trying to uh, use disinfection agents to knock down any environmental virus. Uh, I would say that, yes, we do the same thing here, only on a much more discrete scale. So we use um, – antiseptics, disinfectants to uh, clean our hands, for example, or uh, yeah. we uh, use that to clean up uh, uh, door handles, things that people will touch, that kind of stuff. So it's the same idea. I would, would say that if the virus is laying on the ground, it's probably not a huge threat to, uh, to infect somebody. Uh, and so I would say part of that, honestly, is probably to make people feel that everything that can be done has been done in terms of getting environmental ah. control of the, of the virus as best you can. So, uh, so it may uh, just you know, be kind of like lip service, so to speak, or like a, like a little well, bit, just sort of a, you know what I'm saying. I wouldn't, I wouldn't maybe go that far. I mean, I don't say that it's useless. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, likelihood of being infected, by far the worst is somebody coughing, sneezing in your, in yeah. your immediate vicinity. But, uh, um, you know, this will, if it's there, the virus won't last very long. But I think it's probably more, um, this is just an opinion, more public relation than practical medicine. Okay. Uh, well, that was it for people who sent in questions ahead of time. So, as usual, uh, folks in the chat room want to ask questions, or uh, if people want to call in, that's that's uh, that's cool. Or if you're listening to this next week, uh, you know, Monday or Tuesday, uh, you know, email me or contact me on social media and uh, send your questions, and we'll throw them to Tyler. Uh, now, this week, the big thing today, and you know, I've gone out of my way not to really overly rip on the president, even though people listening know how I feel about it, but um, this may be the one time we can offer genuine medical advice on the program, because <laughs> I think we are in agreement here, Tyler, that people people should not, they should not, under any circumstances, any circumstances, 
be injecting themselves with disinfectant cleaners and shit, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. Simple. So do not do uh, that, folks. <sighs> I'm disgusted. Well, I really am. Unfortunately, we did have someone in Arizona who died um, trying to maybe follow advice about chloroquine, but not quite getting the whole story. Uh, and so the, the immediate fear is that uh, you know, a lot of people have a great deal of faith uh, in our leaders, and uh, they're worried that somebody might go ahead and try. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, um, in this day and age, you can't be too careful, but Part, you know, some of the confusion, and maybe some of the listeners will be wondering, um, I, we do use some agents like isopropyl alcohol, alcohol as an antiseptic and right. as opposed to a disinfectant. And those have actual scientific meaning. Those two terms are, they sort of imply the same thing. You're trying to kill or remove a potential pathogen but the antiseptics are okay to use, say, on per- person's skin. We usually do not ingest, drink them, or inject them, however. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're gentler. Disinfectants are harsher. And so that's the kind of thing that Adam was talking about spraying around in China. You know, it lands on the street. It's not going to hurt anything. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we, so some people might have been confused uh, about, well, yeah, we use some of these things. Yes, we do, but in a very limited sense. The, um, and it's true that these agents um, can physically disrupt uh, coronavirus, and that includes uh, powerful UV light, and, and we use those, not yeah. necessarily in the body uh, and only on the surface against infections like staphylococcus that don't respond to antibody treatment under really uh, restricted conditions. So, uh, yeah, never, please don't, don't even think about it. Right, yeah. It's to me, I think Adam said this uh, in conversation I had with him, but it's like this, the, my irritants is like, look at dude, I'll, I've asked all kinds of, you know, it's like the old thing. There's no such thing as a dumb question, right? It's like, yeah. so, I mean, but that's a really fucking dumb question. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't even know if I, if I would go that far in my own searching for answers to all this. But it's like, to me, part of the problem is, dude, you, like that's the kind of shit that needs to be asked before y'all go out to the podium, um, if, if you want to spitball and <laughs> and toss ideas around in the situation room, uh, at least do it there, not not in front of the national, not in front of everybody in America, where people might get half the story, and next thing you know, they're fucking injecting themselves with Lysol. Uh, that's that's kind of my that's that's kind of where I part company with uh, the president. It's like if you if you wanna if you wanna brainstorm, dude. Like this is not the place for fucking brainstorming. This is this is where people want to get the information on what's going on. Yes, understood, and uh, I agree. <laughs> and I'm so sure that a lot of <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. Let him know how I feel. Have, <laughs> there probably are a lot of people involved that would like to have that news conference or, or whatever they call them back again for a redo. Uh, unfortunately. Um, yeah, when you're in the public eye like that, uh, people listen to every everything. And so just like you said, what if somebody got half of the story? Uh, and, of course, we don't want that to, to end up terminating someone's life. 
Hopefully, hopefully, right. you know, it won't. But uh, yeah, if you want to, um, well, anyway, yeah, let's just leave it at don't do that. Not going to. Yeah, just don't do that. Yeah, and like it, it's just a. You know, it, it not even not even like my feelings on everything uh, politics aside. Let's just like set that aside in a sense. Just just a fucking like this. Just when you think all this shit can't get any more surreal, <laughs> we're talking yeah. we're talking about how you should definitely not inject fucking Lysol. Like what the fuck? <laughs> what, what what the fuck is going on, man? What is going on? That's kind of my reaction. Yeah. That's why I said it. I'm less depressed than I was last week because the, we're we're venturing into just sheer fucking absurdity now. This is this is it's. I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's it's we're collectively losing collectively losing our minds as we get deeper into this or what. But it's uh, I understand why everybody who has a media outlet has to kind of come forward now and be like, don't fucking do that. Don't fucking do that. Don't don't yeah. don't eat bleach. Um, <laughs> Because yeah, because the president yeah. thought about whether or not it was a good idea to eat bleach, um, but like wow wow I just I'm 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 stunned I was stunned yesterday and uh, yeah I've just been stunned all yeah. day watching all that unfold so yeah I think you know what there, there's a, there's a power uh, of the, the presidency in general that, that falls to the office and as I was listening to uh, the discussion, I think you, you actually were, were correct that he was kind of hypothesizing or playing what if or whatever, but I'm not sure that, that people took that message. And so, I, you know, you have to be so careful, so careful. Every utterance up there, it's, right. it's a billion times uh, what you think will happen in normal conversation. And, uh, exactly. And, and, yeah, I mean, look at like if you and I were just sitting around shooting the shit about this, like we do every week here on the show, it's like I could totally. I mean, again, I wouldn't. I know not to even consider the possibility, but I could totally see a similar type of situation where I'd be like, "Hey, Tyler, what? Why can't we just inject bleach? Couldn't that, you know?" But but I'm not the fucking president. I'm like an idiot on a podcast. So like. Like yeah, that's my, yeah. that's where I, you know, save the brainstorming for the situation room, man. That's all I'm asking. You know, I think that's probably the best advice that that could be given is that when when you're up there, oh boy, you know, the scrutiny is intense, and so you have to be very very yeah. careful. I would also say that what you're seeing is is something you were kind of uh, alluding to a moment ago is that these times are so scary. So unusual yeah. that people really are, are hoping, hoping against hope that there will be a miracle way out. And so I think it's a, it's a natural function that, that of people to glom on to uh, anything that, that might work and, and save the lives of a loved one or their own life. Uh, and so we have to recognize that everything is amplified, and that includes our emotional responses. So you can... Well, you can yeah. see people selling silver, uh, colloidal silver. By the way, that's been out there for a long time, decades. The colloidal silver shit? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, people have uh, sworn by it. I knew a woman who uh, had uh, what I think was rheumatoid arthritis coming on, 
uh, and she swore that it helped her. And the St. Joyce, what are you doing? Have to be really careful. You take too much of this stuff, it can turn you blue, the type that she had. Yeah, I saw that guy. Yeah, and, uh, and that's a real thing. Um, yeah. Plus, it's, it's a heavy metal. And we can actually, uh, this is the strange thing, is that a lot of people will know, yes, but we use silver uh, in certain medical situations. And there's, there's actually uh, an ointment that we applied for, to patients that had burns called sylvanine. And it had colloidal silver. It will work against the bacteria that tend to get into those burns and kill people. But that's different from ingesting it. I went round and round with Joyce saying, I, you know, I don't know, Joyce. That, uh, I, don't, I, I would never take it. I wouldn't recommend anybody take it. You know, but she felt it worked for her. So. Wow. Uh, but the interesting thing is that we repurposed those things. So what was for her just kind of a general, I guess, um, pick-me-up or help me with aches and pains has, has now apparently been repurposed as uh, something active against infectious disease agents. And it probably is true. Heavy metals are probably very hard on things like coronavirus in the external environment, but inside you, you're going to hurt you possibly just as bad as the, as the virus, if not more so. Right. So I I would say, you know, caution, everybody, caution. There's no easy route out of this. Unless exactly. Unless really, yeah. really lucky. Exactly. Um, I'm still, I still hold on to, like, this sliver of hope that, and I mean, I've, I've obviously I've heard it said, so it's not like this is just my thing, but, like, that this came sweeping in and it's going to come sweeping out, that, that, by July 4th, it's going to be gone, you know, and it'll maybe come roaring back in the fall or something like that, but it's like, it, it'll be this big wave, and then they'll be like, what the hell was all that about? So, I, 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 that may not even be the case, so so, so if I just <laughs> hold on to hope that, that, that that's what we're experiencing right now, you know? It will probably, okay, now this is again just guessing. Infection rates will probably drop down a little bit in the summertime because for a lot of respiratory agents, they classically do. And part of that is uh, due to the fact we can be outdoors more, uh, so we're not as crowded. The virus loves to have us close together. The virus is generally a lot easier for them. But I honestly, Tim, I don't think this guy is going to slow down completely. Uh, and right. this would be, if we're, if we're fortunate, we'll at least get a breather where we can restock, replenish, give medical personnel a chance to rest because they're going to be exhausted after fighting this guy. Yeah. And we have to be fully prepared to have this thing come rolling back in the fall. If we're really lucky, if fortune files, you know, smiles on us, we'll, we'll be fine. I'm not counting on it. And um, we need to just dig the trenches, you know, while we have the opportunity, while the enemy is off yeah. doing something else. Get ready. Um, so last week, the big talking point, the big topic was this was this emerging debate. Got really heated at the end of the week. That's why I was so grumpy um, about what the hell we should do now when we should start up the country. Uh, Zach Hopley kind of hit the nail on the head. He said, "What is the plan to get out of this?" That's that's what everyone's kind of been fighting about right now. Um, yeah. And what we talked about 
last week. Now, a couple of things of interest came up. You know, that story obviously has played out over the last week. I thought it was interesting, first of all, that apparently, uh, not to sound too conspiratorial, but I think this is confirmed, uh, that a lot of these these organized protests were organized by various different groups um, of various, of, in my mind, various levels of sinisterness, we'll say that. Some some sort of just right-wing groups and some outright uh, evil organizations. So uh, th- it was astroturfed, as they say, these protests. So that kind of gave me some some reassurance, I guess you could say. And then the polls all came out that were like 60-something percent, 70 percent of Americans are, they don't want to go back yet until we know what the fuck's going on. So I kind of, I felt a lot better about that. And then, uh, you know, to his credit, (laughs) the governor of Georgia enacted, as we've said before, uh, I said, you you can't just swing the switch back. He pretty much did almost as much as you can swing the switch back, Um, opening up hair salons, barbers, tattoo parlors, bowling alleys. Why? Why bowling? That, That one really... Really puzzles me, but all that stuff's opening up today in Georgia, and he got huge backlash. And even even the president, uh, even the president uh, uh, turned on the whole idea or, or sort of uh, poo pooed his his decision to do all that, which is a, a real. Uh, I, I complained about this last week, but the the the, the constantly veering messages is is giving me agita. Um, because obviously the Georgia governor is just a sycophant. He was just doing he was just doing what he was what he thinks he should be doing based on the wildly swinging messages. But he should have waited a few days, and he wouldn't have looked like a total asshole. But um, and now there's and now there's people protesting in Georgia to to put the lockdown back. So there's there's the the argument rages on, and much in the way that we have starting to see the after effects of this, of the shelter in place and the social distancing and stuff, I think, and I'm sure you'll agree here, uh, in a few weeks we'll probably see the result of this decision. Because uh, somebody pointed out that uh, we're about two weeks out from when they made everybody in Wisconsin vote and they had a surge this week, so um, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll probably get some idea of what of what the effect of this is in a few weeks. But I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. really want to. I wouldn't want to. I still wouldn't want to try it. A week later, I'm still pretty happy hunkered down here. You know, a lot's going to depend on how many people. Uh, feel safe enough to answer that call. And so to, right. to go back and, and get their hair cut, to, to go to the tattoo parlor or wherever they want to go. Uh, and so I'm not sure uh, we'll have a, a giant influx, but, yeah, they might see in a few weeks they might see a bump up. Uh, the other thing that people were concerned about, still are concerned about with Georgia in particular, is that it does not appear that they've reached their peak. And they certainly haven't hit the, the, the two-week uh, no increase in cases or plateauing in, in the number of new cases, uh, whatever the criterion is, and I can't remember. 
what that is. Yeah. So that to me, I would say, you know, you're you're not quite ready yet. And I think the the canary in the coal mine here is President Trump saying, yeah, I'm not sure about this. And here's exactly, the, yeah. The governor has got himself out on a limb, uh, and no one will defend him if it goes wrong. No one. So this is uh, it's quite a decision. It, now, he, he did say it was data-driven or science-driven, something like that. Uh, and so I hope he has uh, uh, good people advising him, and they know something that I certainly don't. That's not that hard. But, uh, um, you know, if they've made a, a reasonably good decision here, we'll, we'll find out. It won't take all that well, long. Yeah, it's risky. And, uh, you're, yeah, I think the pro let's wait a little longer crowd was bolstered by his his antics and um the mayor of Las Vegas. Did you see her oh, her uh her fluffle? Yeah. We're gonna be a test a control group. <laughs> yeah. For folks who don't know what we're talking about, the mayor of Las Vegas uh went on Anderson Cooper and, and pretty much like demanded that they saying they should just open up all the casinos and that they'll we'll see what happens. They'll they'll be the they'll be the control she actually said that we'll we'll be the control group which I'm sure made a lot of people who would be forced to go back to work really happy to hear. Yeah, see, that's the, the interesting thing is that it, if you want to go of your own free will to uh, someplace, that's one thing. But there are a lot of people who are going to have to return to work or risk losing whatever the benefit they're getting, if anything, uh, unemployment or, or otherwise. Uh, and so they're, they're not quite as, as fortunate as the person who who can really uh, make an elected decision. But the other thing mm. to keep in mind, the thing that, that I would look at is so different than how some others apparently look at it is that in the final analysis, what we're actually talking about is, is, is people may die. And if we make the wrong decision, more lives may be lost. And so I, right. I personally would say, then you probably want to try to adopt the most conservative standards possible. Also recognizing yeah. there are realities, economic realities to be to be dealt with. But I would say, you know, if we've done a month, we can probably do six weeks or maybe a little bit more to really see if we can drag this down. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. But That's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm on the air on the side of caution thing. Like, let's revisit this in the middle of May and we'll decide, see where we're at then. I mean, and that's a yeah. good, you know, that's a good development because like six weeks ago we were we pretty much shut down for six weeks everybody was like all right we'll revisit this at the end of april well we're at the end of april now and maybe let's just we can kind of move the instead of let's revisit it in a month let's revisit it in a couple of weeks that's that's progress that's that's progress man yeah and i think also that based on what we've seen in other parts of the world in asia we have to understand that it's highly probable that we might see a, a, a resurgence of the infection and we may have to take action. So I would feel right. uh, a lot better if there were solid plans about how they were going to surveil this. Because, again, as we talked about before, if you just start to count the deaths, you're so far behind before you even start that uh, you're, you're automatically in trouble at that point. So, you know, are we going to go ahead and, and try to, to – um, get antibody tests that aren't quite ready yet, uh, but will be. 
and uh, are we going to go ahead and expand testing so that we can get a better handle on how many cases are showing up? And this is one of the people are talking about, you know, the testing. It serves a couple of purposes also, strategic, you know, maybe testing people not just for clinical purposes, for diagnostic purposes directly, but just to, to sample and see, you know, how many cases are sneaking around out there that we don't know about. And we can, with statistics, we can take groups, subgroups that we think are representative, and from their uh, data pools that we get from them, extrapolate into the general population with uh, you know, reasonably uh, basic uh, statistical analyses. We do that all the time. We do that all the time. We take samples and, and from that infer things about uh, the general population. So I don't know maybe that's being done, and it's behind the scenes because it's too technical to talk about uh, you know, when the governor is making um, his statements. But uh, I feel better if they kind of put that out. Like, oh, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to be looking for the, the uh, cases that are sneaking through there undetected, and we're going to try to, to uh, figure out how many there are. And if we see those creeping up, then we're going to make an immediate move. Because if you, if you could do that, if you could reliably see these mild cases, asymptomatic cases uh, in total, along with people who report to the hospitals and are formally diagnosed, you'd have a much better picture of what's happening in your area. And this is kind of what we lack right now. It's in principle doable, but maybe it'll be more feasible in a couple of weeks. We've got a lot of potential tests out there, but every test has a weakness. I think we mentioned this before. They're all good under some conditions, but they all have limitations. And so we always have to take that into account. I mean, we may not get the perfect test, but we might get stuff that's good enough for what we need it for the purpose of hand at the moment. But I still, Tim, when it's all said and done, I, I'm fearful that we're jumping the gun in some places and the, and the cost is going to be someone will pay with their life, lives. Yeah. Well, I saw an interesting conspiracy theory. It's sort of the, one of the more, I guess you would call it a mundane conspiracy theory, but it makes, it's a conspiracy theory. It makes perfect sense when you think about it. If you if you imagine sort of the sinisterness of, of a conspirator, but the idea being that by opening, by, by allowing these places to open, uh, the onus of existing is on the businesses. So, like if you're a hairdresser, now you can open. So now you have you can't this is a conspiracy. It's sort of to benefit the rich people, if you will. Um now the hairdresser can't be like, "Hey, uh, I can't pay it's like, well, you got to pay your rent. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to pay your rent. I mean, you can you're in business, you're open." So it's to there's a sort of a, a shitty move, an underhanded move to uh, impact small business owners and, and people, the people that they don't want on uh, uh, to be responsible for, I guess you could say, anymore. That would be the thing. It's like, because now if, uh, if the hairdresser has to lay off all of her employees, it can't be, it can't, be like traced back to the coronavirus in a sense. You get where I'm going with yeah. that? Yes, I do. Yeah. So it's like a legal loophole to to not have to bail these people out, which is yeah. and their employees and everything else. So now they're responsible because now they can open 
and they're getting screwed. So that's yeah. an interesting conspiracy theory that I, I saw and kind of read and was like, that kind of makes perfect sense, and people are really shitty like that, so I could totally see that would be the plan. Somewhere somebody has to put that question to an official, uh, you know, where they're going to do this and, and say, now, what if? What if uh, somebody chooses not to open their business, but you've already said you can if you wish, then is the federal government or whomever is guaranteeing, uh, you know, are they off the hook? Is it now on this person because they decided not to open their doors? I think once the edict is, is made or the, you know, the proclamation is made, uh, I would think that everybody would be in the same boat, whether you open your business or not. I mean, if it's one of those that's deemed uh, okay to go and you choose not to, yeah, yeah it's interesting. And, and and I don't know the answer. I wish I wish I did. That, uh, you know, no, I mean we need to know. Is. You know, maybe someone down in Georgia could answer that. But yeah, and then also to, and in another sort of another layer to it, it's like okay, well, what if you're one of the workers at the hair salon and you don't want to? You think this is crazy, and you're like, no, I'm not coming in. I quit. Well, now you're not on unemployment because you quit your job because you wouldn't come into work. You get what I'm saying? It's, That's, yeah, yeah. I think in the past, and, and again. Uh, this boy, I haven't been in the unemployment line in 45 years. Um, yeah, it's been a long time for me, thank God. God the, way, the way that it used to be, and I don't know that it is now, is that um, a person could quit their job for cause. And I don't know if fear of COVID-19, let's say, for example, you're in a, a high-risk category by virtue of your age, your medical condition, that might suffice to get you through a hearing if, if your uh, claim was con- contested. You know, so I, I yeah. don't know on that one, Tim. I don't. I just. I'm not current on. That. I guess that shows how fortunate I am. But I haven't. I haven't yeah. had yeah. faced unemployment since back in the days when I used to work construction. And that's a very seasonal industry, and it was not abnormal for people to stand around the union around waiting for work. Yeah, just waiting for yeah. work somewhere. Yeah, well, like I said, that was when I saw that I was taken aback by the simplicity and the evilness of it. I was like, oh, <laughs> so you don't want to yeah, be responsible yeah. for all these people because you shut everything down, so you're just going to open it all up, and now they're all got to fend for themselves. So, oh, yeah, yeah, I hope you're wrong. I, I truly hope you're wrong. Uh, there would be hell to pay if that turned out to be the actual rationale or secretive rationale that comes out. But, um, you know, it, it's one of those things that, it, you know, I guess good conspiracy theories are always founded on a kernel of fact. Yeah. So, uh, um, so we know what the fact yeah, is that, opening up. Yeah. And we need, we need to know why. And, and so you know, th- th- there are other valid reasons, including – uh, we want to get the economy rolling again. We need the economy to roll. We need people to make money. We need, you know, the stuff to kind of go ahead. It's just we're, we're in for a long, torturous path forward there, too, I'm afraid. Yeah. I think we haven't even uh, we haven't even gotten to the uh, – we haven't even really – we're starting to see the beginnings – of the economic crisis with the long food lines and stuff like that. Um, It's just like kind of how you said, you know, the deaths, the deaths, uh, 
come along last. Well, it's like now we're seeing the after effects of the stuff we've decided to do in March and April. And now we're seeing the food lines and people people uh people are really hurting, man. People are really hurting. Yeah. And I can understand why they'd be pissed if they they'd be they'd be ready to open their hair salon, man. I can get totally understand why. It's uh Yeah. Yeah. Well you know, you know that it's bad when people sit in line for hours to get food. You know that they don't have any other option. And yeah. so it's, uh, you know, right there in front of you, you can see the evidence. This is really severe. Uh, you know, another thing that, that I hope doesn't come to pass is uh, this last week there was a lot of national attention on meat packing operations, and some of them have What was that? It broke, it broke up a little on me there. What, uh, uh, what kind of operations? Meat packing. And so, yeah, uh, I yeah. Think major, I mean, some of these enterprises now are just, enormous and so they, they they don't service like counties they do the half of the you know the, the western region kind of thing uh, yeah. there have been outbreaks in uh, packing plants and uh, companies have been forced to temporarily suspend operations and then probably they're going to have to go through slowdown and one of the things that people worry about is a ripple effect in that you can't produce at the normal rate, and so at some point the pipeline has to kind of grind to a, a halt or at least be restricted, and that would mean that would play out at the retail level with food not meat not being available, say pork not available at this particular time. That could cause yeah. some interesting situations as well. Now that what I think will happen is they will suspend and restart as soon as feasible. Uh, but it's very difficult to defend the workers in those in those environments. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's kind of the nature of the work. You do your best, but uh, maybe what they'll do is just suspend for a couple of weeks. Everybody that's going to get COVID gets it, and then we return back. I mean, I don't know. It, it could be a really long process for them too, uh, in terms of uh, how many people get infected and how how depleted the workforce is for a while. No, so we'll see. That's that's an interesting development, though. Yeah, the food scarcity. Yeah, it could become worse. That's uh, definitely. It, it may. It issue. may. It, we hope we hope it's temporary. But uh, what is kind of of interest from uh, epidemiological standpoint is that places in the the Midwest, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, in particular, uh, that haven't had a big disease burden these plants are becoming the gateway to their communities. And it's one of those things that they have a lot of traffic in and out. Lots of uh, stuff is shipped out of there. Lots of people working. Right, right. Then they bring it home, and then next thing you know, it spreads throughout the community, yeah. It's in the community. And so uh, it's going to be, you know, like they were were okay, but nobody's really that isolated, you know, or at least for the most part, most communities aren't. And these these are going to be probably uh, spark points. For a large, well, they already are. They are. I, I take that back. They already are. And the question becomes, how far and how bad does it get there, and how fast? And uh, I think they'll face the same problems as everybody else. It's out there in the community. It, it's spreading, and it will overtop your systems if you're not careful. And uh, you know, they're going to find out the same thing New York found out the hard way. That you don't want to do this. Have you what was there was another oh yeah, I try to save all the funny all the funny bits here for the second hour, so <laughs> <laughs> um, 
do, do you, I think for the folks who are listening who have been following along the show week to week, especially maybe down the line in the future, uh, if they dig this up, um, and they're listening, like that guy that called in last week, he said he just started listening from the beginning. Um, this week, I guess you could say the hydro, hydrochloroquine bubble burst, and any any sort of a lot of the false hopes that were pinned to it seemed to go up in smoke. Uh, I believe there was a study that was released that they tested it at the VA, and turned out the people they gave it to wound up dying more than the people who didn't get it, uh, the hydrochloroquine. And yeah. then I guess the CDC said something today that uh, they need to that it could only it should only be used in a clinical setting or something like that. Like they they kind of came out yeah. against it. So the, and 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 always and you know you can kind of set your watch by it. So there was a study that said they mentioned it like thousands of times on Fox News until about a week ago, and then they stopped pretty much talking about it altogether. So. The hydrochloroquine bubble burst this week, pretty much. Well, what I would would say is that um, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that the first studies that they were talking about really weren't sufficiently powered uh, to give us a great answer or constructed in the way to give us a great answer. So you could, if you want to be as optimistic as possible, say that whether or not this particular drug has some utility is still... Uh, open to debate, open to question. It is being investigated. But what the CDC and FDA were, were really concerned about is uh, self-medication, first of all, because it's not for everybody yeah. that there are yeah. uh, certain uh, conditions that could be really uh, impaired by this. Uh, the other thing is that this, these are time-consuming because there are so many different ways that you need to test this, one of them being like, should we give it to somebody who has severe enough disease to show up at the hospital but isn't in the intensive care unit on oxygen? And the way the first right, things right. were being done was people that were, you know, they were swirling around the drain. Uh, and a lot of times you can't salvage those patients. And so even if it could do something, maybe we haven't used it in the right way yet. Exactly. So, right. <clears throat> there's still that rationale that maybe this thing will tone down an out-of-control immune response, a cytokine storm that often kills uh, virus-infected patients. Uh, we, we need to limit that. But what was really concerning for the, the first study in France is that they just gave it to people. And one of the, the worries is that they had neither inclusion nor exclusion criteria, uh, which means they were kind of just like whoever walked in the door, it sounds like we're getting it. But the inclusion criteria it turns out, are critical because if somebody has a heart problem, pre-existing known heart problem, you do not give them this drug. And it, it looks yeah. like, man, this is, this is really borderline unethical the way they were doing it. Now, you could come back and say, well, you know, it's a compassionate use, and we're pretty sure the patient, you know, was, was in grave danger, so we went ahead. But uh, anyway, lots of problems, uh, but I would say, you know what, still not quite dead yet. Maybe this will be an important right. It'll turn out as an adjunctive, something that will keep people from just being on oxygen as opposed to ventilation. But right now, uh, the bloom is definitely off that road, that the enthusiasm has faded. But we still, this is the thing, it's maddening. It takes forever in our way of ordinarily thinking to really prove or disprove this. And, and the thing is, is that no half measures are possible. You either know or you don't know. And so we're trying to make right. damn sure 
that before we give it to somebody, you know, we figured out that, no, this is of value and uh, isn't going to cause any problems. So the, the medical model, you know, first do no harm. Uh, that's what a lot of doctors are, are living by. So even after a really uh, not so great week, uh, I would still say, nope, jury's still out. We have to do what Dr. Fauci said, patient, careful, systematic study. That's the only way these questions are going to be answered. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, uh, they may figure out a way that it's supposed to be, you know, it may be usable in some other way that we haven't figured out yet. So it's not exactly like, 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 look at it. They, inf- they figured out how to make that shit to help malaria people. So I guess maybe the kind of rationalization is they'll figure out, um, you know, the the hydrochloroquine of coronavirus, if you will. Yeah, yeah. There are other ways to go about tamping down and out of control immune response. There are other targets. And so the, the collective wisdom, if you want to call it that, uh, sort of gathered by the, the people who are on the front line, uh, they may say, you know what, the, the rationale, the idea, the basic idea of chloroquine was good in terms of tamping down and out of control response, but we have a better way. You know, let's, let's antagonize uh, tuminocosis factor alpha, CNS, to call it, and something like that. It might turn out to be their, their um, target of choice in the future. So there's, but yeah. you have to understand, that people, the drug discovery business is brutal. And, and you can see why. It takes you forever to test it. And, it, it, you know, I mean, thousands of, of patients, you know, lots of dollars down the drain when lead compounds don't work. And just between us, most lead compounds fail. That's the reality of this business. Yeah. Um, I guess the other last bit of news this week, uh, we didn't, I meant to bring this up last, last week. Uh, it's a good segue, I guess, into the funny into the funny half of the show. Um, but the this week was another example of how uh, rich people are assholes because it came out that they ran out of – they may have even ran out of the money last week. I don't. We haven't really talked much about the economic aspect of a lot of this, but uh, they ran out of the PP – the PP – the PPE is what the hospital people need. The PPP is the – is the uh, is the money is the money for businesses and shit that was a part of that last bill they passed, not the one recently, not the one today. Uh, and then it came out this week that all these people that all these companies that don't need the money got like shitloads of fucking money, and everyone's rightfully pissed off about it. Yeah, them that has gets a classic What's story. That? Them that has gets. That's how it always goes. Uh, yeah, you know, the only it's thing really I would, would say is I know some of the companies gave it back, that the, the public pressure was, was applied to them, and they, they basically declined it or gave it back. The only thing I would say is um, we may want to make sure that if that money was destined to keep uh, employees paid, then if a company has 500 employees, maybe that was okay. I mean, I I just don't know. I don't necessarily want to exclude somebody because of their size necessarily. Uh, right, right. Just, but it kind of sounds like uh, on careful or more intense scrutiny, some of these deals didn't look so good. And so I hope that you know that uh, 
that by and large the people applying for them who need them get them and deserve them. So we'll have to have to be careful. We need some uh, oversight, I guess, although that was resisted. Yeah, and I don't even, like, I stopped counting, I guess you could say, in a sense, because I don't even, wasn't there, I don't think the money they ran out of was the chunk that, the the, the I don't know, maybe that is the chunk that Trump was said, I'll, I'll, I'll oversee all this, don't worry about it. And they tried to have oversight on it, and he fired the guy who was doing the oversight. I don't know if that's the chunk that that money came from or if that's another part of the of the giant super trillion dollar bill. I can't oh. even keep track of – you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You remember how there was like yeah, half that, that – is that the half? Yeah, good question. I, I think in my own mind I've rolled them all into one. And that's probably right, exactly. Correct. Yeah, so you, you may have a point to, to maybe two different, uh, I guess, piles of money that we're doling out. Uh, yeah. But oversight, and, I think, would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be – I want to see a list. I want to see a list of who got what money. <laughs> you know? It's a banal list. <laughs> and then he's going to change Yeah, just – <laughs> Just a list of who, because here's the thing. Here's the part that is that everybody should be kind of pissed and worried about, right? It's because, like, everyone's mad that Ruth Chris Steakhouse got $20 million. They gave it back, whatever. And everyone's pissed that, like, Harvard, of all places, with a huge endowment, they got, like, $10 million, right? But those are brand-name uh, institutions. The, the ones we should be concerned about, are these companies we've probably never fucking heard of that are somehow connected to important people and in turn they got like $20 million and no one knows, you know, no one's going to make a big deal about in, industrial industries or whatever, yeah. <laughs> some, some yeah. no-name company. That, that's, what, that's why I'm like, we need a list so we can find out who the fuck got, got the money. And at the end of the day, I mean, I see your point. You're right, and that's, probably, that's definitely why they did it. They gave these companies a shitload of money to presumably keep their employees on and everything. But part of me wonders if it would just have been a better idea to take all the fucking money and just like everybody got 1200 bucks, instead maybe they get $10,000. <laughs> maybe that would have been a better way to do this. So, so uh Every, so we don't need to worry about all these small – because if it's supposed to help the small businesses, dude, like there's little pizza shops and shit that I guarantee you didn't get any fucking money. Yes, this is the thing that, that we do have to worry about. But I'm telling you, if, if you gave everybody in America who's out of work $10,000, Lindsey Graham will spontaneously combust, and it will be on you. <laughs> I'll take I'll take it. I'll take that risk. I'll take it. <laughs> That's the spirit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well now we've entered into the into the uh into the fun part of the show. So uh the segue from that, uh have you gotten your Trump bucks yet? Because I got my Trump bucks oh, I was one of the lucky ones. I got my Trump bucks the day they were issued. You did? Holy cow. Yeah. And you're in a blue state. Seriously, right. I would I would have thought you'd never see that money. Holy cow! Well, that's impressive. Uh, no, I have. Yep, I, I got my Trump bucks. Oh, let's. Yeah. I don't see you. Yep. You're uh, you're part of the one percent. I understand. Yeah, not quite, but I don't qualify. 
So uh, when you put <laughs> our incomes together, yeah, we're uh, and, I, and I'm working. I've been able to be one of those very fortunate people who's uh, not lost a job. Still working, yeah. Still working, yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, no, I I haven't seen it. I don't know anyone around here who's mentioned it. Now, now, now that you brought it up, I'll start to ask to see how many people have got it. Because most of the people that I know uh, pay their income tax uh, by direct deposit, you know, so the money could be wired to their bank account, no problem. Right. Uh, That's how I got it. On record. Yeah. yeah. So I, I assume that a lot of my neighbors around here would qualify and, and would either get it or haven't got it yet. But I'll start to ask, see what I find out. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens! What kind of radio show is this? I've seen a lot of people who have not gotten their Trump bucks yet, which is what uh, which is what Twitter virus expert Adam Go Rightly has called them, and I've adopted it too. Trump bucks. <laughs> but uh, Zach Copley says he got his Trump bucks, but I saw a guy post on Twitter last night that he hadn't got his money yet and the whole system is a fucking mess uh from what i understand like there's supposed to be a website where you can track down your trump box and no one it's uh, it's always just like oh we're <laughs> we're looking into it it's like something like that yeah so uh, i'd be really i'd be wicked pissed if i hadn't got my trump box yet i can tell you that much <laughs> that would have been radio gold what? oh jim jim vujovic has not gotten his trump box yet Okay. Actually, this is Good probably luck, the Jim. way to do it. Just ask people, you know, do your survey right here and uh, see what the the general consensus is. But yeah, I don't. You know, well, Jim, Zach, that's that's an interesting question because uh, most of the people that I work with are obviously going to be uh, unqualified because we're still working, and so I have not heard a word about it. But I imagine uh, other places it's probably. Uh, pretty important for people to get that because it's a long time to be without money. You've been, you know, out of work for six weeks or more. Jeez. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole mess. The idea of giving everybody a check sounds good in theory, but there's a lot of people that are hard to track down. Yep. So. Yes, this is another another problem. Our people move, have changed bank accounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, gotten married or divorced, uh, all those things, you know, there'll be a lot of places where they simply can't connect. And then you're going to need to get into that website and see what the heck is going Mm -hmm. on. And I don't know if it works like you had to have paid taxes or not, because I don't know if that means homeless people can get a check or they shit out of luck because they never paid taxes last year. So I don't know how that works. Uh, Maybe somebody in the chat room would know that. Yeah, that's um, a good one. But in celebration of receiving my Trump box, I immediately stocked up on uh, an array. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show or if we've talked about it elsewhere on Twitter or what, but uh, for those who are unaware, I'm a big fan of this new place in my town called Nothing Bunt Cakes, <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if they're not a sponsor of the show, I'd love it if they were. Uh, so if anyone from nothing, <laughs> if anyone from nothing but cakes is listening, please get in touch. Uh, oh, but I, yeah, I fucking love them. And don't forget the co-host. 
Exactly. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we're we're looking to we're looking to cash in on this nothing buns cakes. So, yeah. uh, actually, it's become my snack of choice uh, since this started because this is funny. This traces back to the beginning of the show. You remember the very beginning of the series. Uh, I went to that big trivia night thing, which is the last time I was out at a public gathering on March sixth, and uh, the they had donated a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of little bunt cakes. They're called buntinis. They're like a cupcake, but it's a bunt bunt cupcake. It's absolutely outstanding. Uh, so they donated them, and then that got me hooked. <laughs> that's how I got hooked on the buntinis. So, and then that's when the coronavirus really took off uh, around March sixth, at least for me, uh, in my life, and 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 for a lot of people. Uh, right around the beginning of March. So, so every every couple of weeks I restock on these Buntinis, uh, and they come in a variety of flavors, and they're absolutely outstanding. Uh, and I bought 12 of them. They're tiny, so it's not, you know, you, you can't imagine a classic bun cake, folks. you got to imagine a small, uh, yes, bunt, bunt, Buntinis, like Bunt and then an Eni at the end. So it's a Buntini, someone in the chat room was asking. Uh so yeah, to celebrate the arrival of my Trump bucks, I bought a dozen Buntinis, uh, and they're delicious. So, and now you were telling me, based on our conversations about Nothing Bunt Cake, you've 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 uh, you've tapped into the Nothing Bunt Cake phenomenon. Yes, by accident. I didn't didn't know what a, a Buntini was when you first talked about it, and my wife, uh, their book club in the neighborhood figured out a way they could meet in somebody's backyard and stay six feet away from each other. Yeah. The the host had brought in Buntinis and my wife brought one home for me. And they are outrageously good, uh, dangerously good. So I I looked at the picture that you showed me uh, when you went and they loaded it into your car. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And what did you have? You had a dozen there? Mm-hmm. I think a dozen um, Buntinis. That, that's about a one-hour supply for me. <laughs> okay. They are outstanding, yeah. Oh, God, are they good. Oh, man. Yeah, probably totally everything that you're not supposed to have, and that's why I crave <sighs> so much. Yeah, they are really good. So, uh, again, we're not sponsored by Nothing Bunt Cakes yet, I hope, but... Uh, <laughs> But but people who are listening now, they're a national chain. So if you're – I've been been, uh, just straight up nothing but cakes uh, proselytizer since the beginning of March. And so I've hooked people up with (laughs) – I'll go on the website for them, for friends in other (laughs) parts of the country. And be like, there's one right down the street from you, bro. you got to go and try these. So yeah, for the folks listening at home, Google Nothing Bunt Cakes, uh, and it'll take you to their website. You can punch in the locator. I bet you Zach Copley. I bet you there's one near you, man. I'm I'm sure. I'm almost positive there's one near Zach Copley. And Jim Vujovic is in Orlando. Uh, there's got to be one in Orlando. If not two. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. I was trying to figure out. I I don't think this is something that you could mail or FedEx easily. Unfortunately. No, they when the lady put the 
box in my car. She was all, uh, now don't shake it. I'm like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck do you think I'm going to do, lady? (laughs) Yeah. That's safety first. Uh, (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So, So I wanted to bring that up. Um, because, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the bunt cakes and that, that is exactly literally like when I got the Trump box, I'm like, I'm getting some fucking buntinis, man. This is, <laughs> I got, I, I got money to burn right now. So, the and they're not really, they're not, they're not like particularly indulgent. I think it's like 25 bucks for a dozen. So, you know, and they're, they're worth two bucks a piece for sure. Yeah. Uh, if you can, they're good size cupcakes, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And uh Well Zach Colby says he can have them delivered, so yeah. Do it, dude. Have them delivered. They're awesome. No, no. Um No, don't. No, Zach, don't. Save yourself. <laughs> oh, Jim Vujovic says there's three in Orlando. Wow, dude. You're oh, living see? in a butt cake paradise. <laughs> Good. Oh yeah. Oh right. Jesus. Okay, now other notes here that I wanted to get into. Now this is interesting. The people listening to this show right now, uh, and the oh Zach Colby says he's spending some of his Trump bucks tonight on the bunt cakes. Jesus, you got it, and this is good because we're supporting the franchises and shit. Uh, the people who've been listening to this show, I like to think that they're ahead of the curve, and I have proof tonight because we've been we. We've been pl- <laughs> I can't even. We've been talking about the plight of the sex worker in the coronavirus oh. world. Oh no. For like yeah, for 3 weeks. And so, uh this week there were I have four articles here. Four articles about about the plight of the sex worker in various parts of the world. So, uh, we'll just give a little update for people. This is I thought this was fascinating. Um, and again, we, we, we've been talking about this at least for three weeks now. This is one of the first, uh, forgotten class of people we, we, we talked about. So here we go. CNN says, uh, Japan is offering sex workers financial aid, but they say it's not enough to survive the coronavirus pandemic. So, uh, I don't know if it has any numbers here. Uh, I should have done research for this, but yeah. Uh, it says sex work in Japan is legal, and uh, so they're getting some financial aid, but it's not enough. So, which is which is too bad. So then this one here, listen to this title: the agony of Colombia's quarantined sex workers. This one's really depressing. Um, so they're they're having a really hard time, and they're. Uh, it says sex work is legal there, but. They're on a strict quarantine, and they can't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that's kind of what we've talked about here on the show. So then <laughs> this is, like, crazy that these all came out within four days. Uh, sex workers say they have been left out of Canada's COVID-19 response. So apparently, again, in, in Canada, uh, sex work legal, and uh, they're not getting any any help, they say, from the government. So, yeah. So, oh, here he goes. Many sex workers in Canada either do not qualify for the federal government's Canada Emergency Response Benefit or they are afraid to apply. Oh. 
Well, it says, oh, wait. Oh, listen, many people believe sex work is decriminalized in Canada and only criminal for those who purchase it, but this is a misunderstanding of the law. So, all right, so they're they're in a real bind, uh, those folks. Uh, and then, we look at this. We, this country has failed on nearly every level when it comes to this coronavirus panic, apparently except for the sex workers, because here is an article from uh, a Nevada... TV station says brothel owner awarded federal COVID-19 relief, but funds on hold. So we're halfway there. So she's, she's, uh, she's getting some help, but they can't get, they, they won't give her the money yet. I assume cause they fucking ran out of money, but who knows? <laughs> oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I think it was uh, Steve Ray who was first uh, telling us about, um, we need to consider some of these folks uh, who perform in their own way a service to society and uh, oftentimes are overlooked. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, I've been to a lot of places in the world where uh, the sex trade is uh, tolerated or legal, allowed, and I can imagine that with people not being out and about, uh, that alone would be uh, very disruptive to your, your business model where you, you know, need to make a certain amount of money each day to survive. Uh, yeah. You know, they have expenses like everybody else. So. But it's exactly. But all and of a sudden, was, four, yeah. four stories or five stories popped up where we hadn't seen anything before. So. See that? We're ahead of the curve. We're ahead of the curve on uh, – on what people are talking about here, but yeah, I was uh, I was amazed. I'm like, what is this? Every time I see a new article, I'm like, where, what, where is this? Colombia, Japan, Canada? Like, what is what is going on here? Someone woke up to the fact that uh, sex workers, you know, they're in they're in the outs. I also saw a similar sort of situation uh, with I guess you could say more unsavory folks. Uh, drug dealers are having a hard time as well. So. That may be good. That might be good in a sense. I think people who are you'd, – you'd like to hope that people who are who are like drug addicts and shit might be able to – this might be a forced reset. Maybe they – maybe some folks will get clean from this. Who knows? Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope. But, you know, is it is it not true that uh, a lot of the uh, stuff that's used to cook, to make the drugs, actually comes out of China? Isn't that the case? And uh, that's one of the questions that I had is when we're talking about the uh, opioid crisis and then all the follow-on from that, that it, to me it would seem pretty, wow, it, it sounds easy, but couldn't we interdict that with the Chinese and say, you know, stop shipping that stuff or not permit it in or whatever, but I guess they could always hide it. You know, so it that simple. Yeah, I see that. what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... I would assume just everything's on such a lockdown that it's hard to even for them to ship drugs around surreptitiously. But who knows? I mean, they're used to getting around the law. So yeah. Maybe they're some of them are probably thriving. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, the opioid op- 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 crisis has has cost us a lot in terms of lives, but also in medical uh, problems. That uh, things like hepatitis, HIV, all these things they go hand in hand with that epidemic. Oh yeah. And a lot of good work has been undone. Yeah, the opioid. Yeah, it's crazy. Two things. 
thoughts come to mind from you bringing that up. Um, it's crazy, A, and it, this is almost like the worst time to to sort of uh, raise this issue, but uh, there's obviously a very serious and significant caveat, which is uh, the, the point I'm jumping to here is the opioid crisis and uh, these mass shootings, a lot of the problems that were plaguing our society seem to have uh, disappeared for a while, or at least fallen to the back burner. And the reason why I say, you know, it, there's a caveat here, of course, there was a terrible, terrible mass shooting in Canada, in Nova Scotia, which I love yeah. Nova Scotia. I've been there a million times. Uh, you know, I, I feel like I left a part of me in Nova Scotia, so I, I love that place, and it, my heart breaks for them. And I hate to see this terrible fucking phenomenon come to their country, uh, and it's just very, I guess they busted like a few people who were sort of planning to do something, and I mean, look at folks, rest assured, it's going to fucking happen again here, it's, but it's very interesting that we're not seeing, uh, we're not seeing as nearly as much crazy violence and shit um, than we were before all this happened. You there, Tyler? Oh, yeah. All right. I don't ask questions. I just raise points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so let's circle back to something we can really sink our teeth into, and uh, that's the Buntinis, because Jim is getting a curbside pickup tomorrow. He wants flavor recommendations. What flavor Buntini did you have? I had a chocolate one with... Uh... Uh, the sort of like classic whipped cream topping. So okay. Pretty, pretty was it chocolate, chocolate and chip? No, just chocolate. Just no, no chips in there or anything. Just a sponge cake wow. like style. Yeah, very good. Very good. Okay, yeah, he got the custom assortment option. Okay, yeah. Well, I would recommend Jim if you still haven't ordered them yet. I'm a big fan of the lemon. I like the confetti. Uh, the chocolate chocolate chip is good. There's a carrot cake that's really good. I'm trying to think of what other ones. They have like a monthly flavor that's uh, this month strawberry and cream, which is really good too. So I would say any of those. Highly recommend the lemon though. It's got a nice bite to it. Ah. Now I forget we were talking about the sex workers. Then we were talking about the drug folks. I was, there was something something came up in my a more serious sort of aspect of all this, but I lost that train of thought. So let's circle to uh, my trip to the grocery store today because this is probably my most serious breaking of the quarantine, uh, maybe since this all began. It was probably the longest I've been out of the house since March 6th. So pretty – I actually had to kind of – I'm probably going to look back on this and be like, Jesus, dude, you're such a pussy. But it's like I kind of had to psych myself up because I'm like, all right, this is a real genuine trip out uh, into the world here, not not a run in and out of the store thing. So uh, I did that, and I was obviously gloved up, masked up, flat-earthed up. So I had all of my- I had a same exact look that you see. Not sunglasses, though, because you got to be inside and shit. But, and that worried me the whole time. I'm like, this shit's getting in my eyes. 
It's getting in my eyes. I need to hurry up and get out of here. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was sort of like, it was stressful. It was stressful, man. I won't, I won't lie. So this was, but on the way to the grocery store, I thought to myself, I, this, I need to, much like everything else is kind of slowly coming back to life. It's like, I need to start reintegrating more into this society, however it may be. So, and it's not like I'm going to be doing this every day. I got enough groceries that I won't need to go out again for food for like three weeks. Uh, but the the takeaways were that, uh, now you said they added this into your stores out there now. The one-way aisle thing is a fucking nightmare. The, yeah. the one-way aisle is awful. Yeah. They have that in grocery stores where you are? They do. It's right after you mentioned it, I, I saw it the next time I went in. Here's here's my problem with the one-way aisle. This is what I ran into. Like, what if you're you're going down the aisle? You're going, like, down... <laughs> uh, now I know what you're going to say, because I did it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. You're going top ways down the aisle. So you can, like, like you're going down, you're looking down each little aisle. And it's like, what if you see you see something... <laughs> you need something <laughs> that is that is just a little bit maybe a quarter of the way down the aisle, but it's the opposite arrow. It's just so fr- – like, I broke the rule like three or four times. I guess yeah. looking back now, you're supposed to do it like a snake. You're supposed to snake back and forth, and you'll be okay. But this is my first time working with the one-way arrows, and I'm not a fan <laughs> at all. Yeah, I had to reverse court. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I, I'm sorry. It's on camera. There, there's the professor. Can't follow the rules. Yep. Can I tell you? It's just so disorienting. You know, the other thing is, honestly, um, they have it on the floor. So arrows on the floor. And it's obvious that a lot yeah. of people don't see them at all. They're, they're focused on the shelves, you know, and they don't, they don't see exactly. those. They don't, they don't pay any attention. So, I'd say probably half of the people are in some sort of compliance with it, you know. But uh, and it's new, Here, you know, it's something people have to get used to. Here's what they should do: giving this advice to supermarkets everywhere right now on the show. You take you you put the signage up at the top uh, on the little you know hanging from the sign that has all the shit in the aisle, right? And one side has the arrow that shows the direction. The other side has the stop thing. That way you know, just when you look up, if you look up and there's the stop thing, it means you can't go down that way. That way, and then, But if you're on the other end, you'll see the arrow. They should do that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Because so I found myself more looking at the, at the sign. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm saving sex workers. I'm improving the supermarket industry. It's my work never stops, Tyler. I guess not. Yeah. Um, this is my first time interacting with the grocery workers. God bless them. And I found uh, it's maybe over the top, but I, I when when they helped me, I always said thank you for your service. Thank you for thank you for doing this. And they seem to really appreciate it. So I, I, that would be my, you know, if people aren't doing that, I guess 
I don't know what to say, but if you're, if you're at the grocery store, like every, every person that fucking helps you who works at the grocery store, you should thank them. Like, not just for the help right then and there, but thank them for, for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny that um, when, uh, back in the day, when I used to eat at restaurants, uh, somebody would bring something to the table, you know, serve us something, and I'd say thank you. And, and sometimes they were taken back by that. Because apparently that's, that's not a common thing, you know. But anyway, uh, I always thought that's what Yeah, a couple did. of the people seemed that way. Yeah, a couple of the people were like, hey, man, thanks. I really appreciate that. And I'm like, Jesus, dude, everybody should be saying this to you. Yeah. Yeah, this is a normal so. course of events, yes. So that was uh, the other takeaway. Now, the other... The other thing, this is so paradoxical to what we've we've been taught so far here in this thing. Uh, but but the most lackadaisical people at the fucking grocery store were the people uh, were the people who one would think are the most likely to die of the coronavirus. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm talking about old people. Like, dude, everybody, <laughs> hand to God, hand to God, I, everybody, there had to have been about 70 people or whatever in the grocery store. It was not, I don't know, but uh, uh, nonetheless, okay, okay, I saw, I, let's say I saw 50 people, right? One, there was one person not wearing a mask, and it was a little old lady, she had to be 80 or 90, dude, she had fucking no mask, no gloves, and no fucks to give. She just did not... I was like, holy shit. I, I looked over at her. I said a lot. I'm like, boy, that lady just does not give a fuck. She's, she's fucking... She just does not care, man. I don't know if I want to be like, good for you, or do you need help? I don't know what, I don't know what to say, but she was fine. She was just doing her shopping like it was a normal, normal Friday morning. So it was just like, well, what the hell? Let's hope that you're correct that she's not concerned um, rather than maybe not able to, to get any of those things, you know, or, or make one or whatever. And I hope that it's because that's what she chooses. So, and I would assume that's so. The case. You know, it, it yeah. could be. I can remember my mom when she was 90, uh, you know, her – she had blood pressure problems, and the doctors would change her medication. It would just make her feel really bad. And she'd go into the doctor and say, you know, I just feel so rotten. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And he said, well, you know, Ruth, look, if we, we stop your, your medications, you know, this, this could be trouble. And she said, what, you, you mean like I might die, just drop dead and die? And he said, yeah. He said, well, I'll take that. She was she was not afraid of dying. She was afraid of lingering. Yeah. That that's what really bothers her in the end. My doctor, her doctor, never really understood how to how to sort of manage her, if you want to call it that. She was uh, she was not concerned about that. You know, she felt she lived a All good right. life or whatnot, and, and she wanted to feel good. You know, it's like I'm taking these stupid pills and paying a lot for them, and they're making me feel bad. The hell with that was her attitude. Right. Yeah, so I didn't – Jim Vujovic says he learned some people cannot wear masks for health reasons. Uh, they restrict oh, the airflow pretty 
So it could no, be. Exactly. It could be. Yes, absolutely correct. That's a good point. Right. And in fact, um, that's one of the things that uh, caused problems for me uh, trying to be a diver because it would induce an asthma ah. attack. So, oh, shit. Yeah, I've forgotten about that. So, yes, thank you for bringing that one up. That is very true. All right. Well, I didn't, yeah, I didn't even, uh, I didn't engage her. So I felt bad. <laughs> but I also, no, I, dude, I felt bad. I'm like this little old lady. She's uh, in danger. But I, I got the distinct impression that she, this was her choice. So it was, um, you know, if she if she looked out of it or frail or you know what I mean, I'd be like one. I'd yeah. be like, "Ma'am, yeah. do you need help?" Or, but you don't want to like. It's a very. This goes back to sort of the whole thing. Do we go out? Do we go back to work? Do we reopen America and shit? It's like everybody has their way, and you can't. I, I, I well, look at lots of people do, and I, I don't like. I don't like that they do. You can't. You shouldn't go up, just run up to someone and be like, you should be wearing a mask. It's like, if they don't want to wear a mask, that's fine. I mean, I can't, it's not your place to tell someone they should be wearing a mask. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Agreed. Let, yeah. Let you, I mean, that's usually a, good, a recipe to getting punched in the face or, or bitched out or screamed at or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, people yeah. don't want to be told what, <laughs> if they're not wearing a mask, they already don't want to be told what to do. So, 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 so you going up to them and telling them what to do is is exactly why they're not wearing the fucking mask. Possibly, you know, unless they have a health it, It's funny you bring that up because my sister lives in Colorado, and uh, they had, a, um, I guess, a directive to wear masks in public, and she was in the store. And everybody in line where she was at, I think it was maybe a King Supers or something, uh, they all had masks on, and somebody strolled in without a mask, and the people in line booed him. <laughs> well, that, I, I don't know if he left yep. or he he was embarrassed, but yeah, there's some peer pressure going on there. Yeah, that's what Zach Copley says. There's a lot of mask shaming going on. He's uh he's in the San Francisco area, so uh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, there is mask shaming. That's for sure. But uh, I don't recommend being the shamer. You know, in a one-on-one situation. No, it's Nobody's going to listen to me is, wearing a fucking flat earth hat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, did did you attract anyone with your flat earth hat? No, no one's no one's uh no one's even noticed it yet, I don't think. Yeah. I'm so disappointed. I am too. Oh, actually <laughs> the lady who rang me up may have uh she may have like read too much into the flat earth hat cuz uh i was ma- i made a joke this is another takeaway from the uh, grocery store trip the this is a real bone of contention for me uh about 6 months ago my town here uh eliminated plastic bags and instituted a paper bag only policy sure and i also encouraged you to bring you know your bag from home well now cuz of all this they don't want you to bring your bag yeah. from home and the paper bags are a disaster. Everybody, it, it was a, there's been a, a tacit, unspoken agreement that the, the paper bags are shit because they've switched back to the plastic bags. I'm sure they use some health reason for it. They're just easier to fucking carry, dude. The paper bags don't have handles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, 
<laughs> I suppose the woman couldn't see my beaming smile beneath the mask, but it was sweet, <laughs> sweet vindication for me, pro plastic bag man. And I was like, oh, there you go. See, the world starts falling apart, and everyone's like, fuck it, bring back the plastic bags. I'm like, I love it. I love it. Love those plastic bags. And she's like, well, you know, the world's not really falling apart. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be okay and and everything. And just kind of downplays. Like, you know, it's not as big a deal as you might think. And I just kind of looked at her. I'm like, lady, thousands of people are dying every day. It's a very big deal. And she's like, yeah, I know. I don't like to look at the numbers. I, I don't really like to watch the news. And I guess, look, now that I think about it, it's like, well, fuck, if I was going into a fucking grocery store every day, I'd probably, I'd probably want to be blissfully unaware of it all, too. But at the same time, it's like, no, it's like, if you don't know it's a big deal and you work at a fucking grocery store, I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know who needs yeah. to tell you that this is, a, that this is really serious. So, and now, I was, did she, and so did maybe, she have a mask? Yeah, she had a mask on, yeah. Maybe okay. she saw the Good. flat earth hat and was like, Oh no, this guy's he's <laughs> buying a ton of fish, a ton of food. I bought like this three weeks worth of food, so she was probably like, Oh no, we got another one. We we got we got another wild one here. Uh, oh my god. Well you gotta admit that probably uh the flat earth gear is probably not something you see very commonly. So I think, honestly, the, the first time I ever saw such a, a thing was on you. And I've never seen anybody out in public with it. So it's with a flat earth hat? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty rare thing. She probably didn't quite know how to react. Well, I got it at the International Flat Earth Convention, so it's a uh, yes, collector's yes. item. Which you covered ah. very admirably. Thank you, thank you. No, it was nice. Um, it was nice. Yeah, I enjoy it. They're nice people. Uh, they're silly, but, you know, who isn't? I'm silly. It's all good. Um, but here's – how about this now, Tyler? You you seem a little more mature than me, uh, so maybe you're – maybe you have – this has an impact, impacted you. Now, you've seen the picture of me in my gear, but now yeah. I'm looking around, and I go out, and I'm seeing pe- pictures of people and shit. And I got mask envy. I feel like my uh. mask sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that a good mask? I saw nurses, though. I saw real nurses wearing the same kind of mask. So I feel like my mask uh, is is a good mask. Yeah. But I don't. I don't know. Yeah. It is. All right. My my wife made some, and then uh, she's a quilter, and she found some uh, denser weave material, and so she switched over. The patterns aren't as cool on that one, but what she suggested is uh, you can actually fold up like a coffee filter and put that behind you if you think that the weave of your fabric is not adequate, and that'll help wow. like a two stage two stage filter. So, but what I, I what, the way it looked, at least in the picture, was yeah, it looks like it's pretty good. But uh, you need, yeah, you need something, you know. Uh, I'm sure Amazon, somebody will have something available for the discriminating mask user. You know, oh yeah, they have tons. That's the other part. Uh, Zach Colby just asked me what kind of mask do you want. It's like I don't know. There's too many to choose from now. There's a lot of there's a there's a lot of very exciting masks. 
Yeah, Jim Vujovic just sent me a picture. He's got one that's got, like, lightning bolts and shit on it. It's like, oh, I don't have lightning bolts on. Yeah. Now I'm feeling bad. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's Oh, and now, let me see. Yeah, now he just sent me one with, like, some kind of Zen Dharma-looking looking thing on it. <laughs> yeah, see, I need one of these. Oh, he said he made several. I'm going to send him my address. Jim, I'm going to send you my address. You you craft me a fancy mask, and I'll wear that like, what, like no other. Nuts? Put them on eBay. <laughs> no, dude, the market's flooded with masks right now. Uh, funky oh, okay. masks is like the last thing. You, you, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know what you call it, but the, the market's flooded with, with funky masks. Okay. I've seen ones yeah. that are like clown, like a clown face. If Jim can make a clown oh. face one, I would, I would be all over the clown face one. Uh, I don't know. I after you and Go Rightly have done so much such work clowns, with the clowns, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think you should go that route. Now we don't talk paranormal on this show very often, but there's one, there's two now because you mentioned that two interesting things that I'm keeping my eye on here as the weather gets better. One. Are we going to see these clown sightings again, or is that over for a while until people um, feel more comfortable running around being idiots? Uh, <laughs> that's a lesser one. Uh, more iconic, in a sense. I'm really interested in seeing what's going to happen with the crop circles this year. Oh, because one yeah. would assume, depending on how long these lockdowns go, now traditionally – Crop circle season starts in about two weeks, around the beginning of May. So we can start to track it then. But I have serious doubts that we're going to even see that many. And that actually extends to a lot of other shit that I do in my everyday life where, you know, people just aren't out and about doing things. So a lot of weird stuff that normally happens doesn't get caught. You know, people don't encounter Bigfoot, or they don't really... Uh, you're seeing more people seeing UFOs and stuff like that because they're out on their porch. Um, but since everyone's stuck inside, there's not as much... Nobody's going to look for fucking Amelia Earhart. You know what I'm saying? No one's... <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one's yep. No one's doing that kind of thing. No one's doing a study over at, uh, over at Stonehenge right now. So that's the... Yeah. That's an interesting development. If you remember um, uh, George Hansen, and yeah. uh, well, actually, the way I got into that was Jeff Ritzman. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the idea of the, the liminal. Man, here we are. Yeah, we're in a super liminal here, state right now. That's here crazy we are. Yeah, and so yeah. something's going to happen. Something's going to give at some point. I would think if those ideas, you know, if the trickster really does get summoned by liminal situations. Boy, pressure's on for people now, like it or not. Well, that's the crazy part. It's like we're in a super liminal state while also being on a lockdown. It's a very unique set of circumstances. Yes, it is. I'll be interested to You're see right. this, what happens. You're absolutely correct. That I hadn't thought of that. That, that yeah, we've got the pressure, but uh, in a very unique situation. Yeah, how about that? Oh, it's, it'll be good. interesting. But since I'm a believer in the idea that most crops, I don't know, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess I'll leave the, the door a crack that maybe there's some that are somehow unexplainable. But I'm really of the opinion that, like, 99% of them are 
made by people. It'll be interesting to see if we just don't see any crop circles. Oh, that was that remind that was the other part. Uh, last few years, we've seen an uptick in Nessie sightings because people go to Loch Ness and shit, and um, you know went from like twelve to fifteen to sixteen to eighteen over the last four or five years. And so far, I mean, it hasn't really Nessie sighting season hasn't picked up itself either. That's also a summer thing, but yeah. uh, it'll be it it, it it'll. Be interesting to see, no pun intended, if uh, nobody sees Nessie this year because no one's going to be there, or, if oh, or we'll see a precipitous drop in a lot of these things. It'll be interesting to watch. That's something I'm keeping well, an eye know, on as a paranormal observer. I think you mentioned to me um, there were pictures of wildlife, uh, uh, marine animals in Venice. Uh, I think I saw somebody had a yes, yeah, uh, jellyfish or something and. Uh, so maybe, maybe if there's uh, automatic cameras on Loch Ness, maybe Nessie will feel free to come out and play, and somebody will capture. That's that. possible. There was a good sighting earlier this month uh, of that. Yeah, there's a webcam that you can watch, and uh, there's a guy I guess who watches it like every day. So he's actually this is crazy. He's seen Nessie like seven times on the on the thing. He has like seven sightings oh. to his name. Yeah, wow. cause he just watches it presumably all day, but. You know uh, yeah, that's entirely possible. Is it? Do you know where it's at? Is it near the, the castle, or is it like in the middle of the lake, or, or somewhere up on? I'm the... not sure. It, it's looking out onto the thing, so yeah, I don't know. You'd have to Google. Go on YouTube and look up uh, Loch Ness Webcam. Yeah. Okay. Because the lock is huge. I mean, it, right, right. It is one, one big. There may be like two or three, I think, too. But okay. I'm not you could, sure. You'd have an army and not cover that thing. Yeah, so keep an eye on the crop circles, folks. That's the uh, that's the other thing. What else? Uh, we're nearing the end here. I'm trying to think if there was any other funny shit I wanted to talk about aside from the trip. Oh, the other part was uh, I don't want to just throw that old lady under the bus because the other <laughs> the other part the other part was yeah okay. So I was with there. Let's say with like 50 people. One being the old lady who didn't give a fuck. Um, two being an old guy who was just all up in my fucking space. He was the only one oh. who didn't adhere to the six-foot thing. <laughs> okay. And it, uh, much like we yeah. talked about with the mask shaming, it brought me into a position, a situation, where I was like, well, I don't want to – at what point do you say something? That was kind of grappling with <laughs> that question in my mind. I've seen some people of varying uh, tones. The signs range from nice to very, like, go-to-hell signs, like, <laughs> on their back. That's like, like you know, stay six feet away from me, dude, or whatever. So, but, yeah, I was it, – it made me uncomfortable. I was like, dude, you're, like, three feet away right now. You're you're past the halfway point of the six feet. You, I don't know if you – and I'm, like, waiting to get fish, so it wasn't like <laughs> – wasn't like we were in line, you know. So he just yeah, he just yeah. didn't didn't get it. Old habits, you know. And, and the older you get, Tim, the, the harder it is to change. So you haven't quite People hit that yet. People got to adapt. You do, but only slowly. <laughs> so, uh, but I noticed too at work that there are people that are really good about that, the maintaining the distance, and others who are just really terrible about it. And uh, it's those things that if I can back up, I back up. 
but yeah, there's times when you're just kind of stuck. Um, exactly. See, you understand. Yeah. See, that's the well, thing. It's, 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 I, maybe it bugs me more because I'm uh, aware of uh, sort of like microbiology, uh, but it is no joke. And, and you know, I th- I, I'd say that if you have to, uh, it would be reasonable to say, if, you know, we need to maintain more distance or something like that. Just try to remind them that these are the conditions now. And you don't have to be, you know, really super aggressive about it. But I think also That's it's true. important to defend yourself. You know, not, I mean, you're not yeah. going to attack anybody, but you know, your space is important now. We're just not used to I it. I shouldn't even but Yeah, no, we're not used to it at all. It's uh, it's very strange, and I've encountered I – I didn't really see it as much today, but, yeah, there's a certain – there's like the social distance dance where you people's <laughs> bubbles accidentally 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 cross briefly and they're like oh should should I move this way should I move that way it's like all right just just relax we can we can get within 2 feet of each other to pass each other you don't have to flatten yourself up against the fucking rack <laughs> <laughs> one dude was like that one dude was like that yeah. at the liquor store cuz they have tiny little aisles and he like flattened himself up against the side of the, I'm like look at man I'm walking by I'm walking <laughs> Hold I'm walking right past you. Yeah, hold your breath. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna zip past you, dude, right now. So yeah, people need to have a, a little better understanding of of the social distancing thing. I feel like I've yeah. already got it under under control, but I find a lot of people don't quite know how to handle it. Well, you know, the other thing is is that um, everybody's different in their speed of uptake and understanding and processing. And so maybe persons like your register operator who prefers not to get involved with the news or whatever, maybe their rate of kind of internalizing is a little bit slower. You know, some people adopt things quickly. Others just don't. Uh, That's just the reality of people. Yeah. Well, I didn't even think about it until we talked about it tonight. But, yeah, she's in the shit. So I can understand why she would want to sort of – tailor her intake of news and people are different i if i was if i had her job i'd be probably like i probably would have quit i mean i'll be be honest i probably would have quit the fucking job i'll say actually had to have it because i couldn't the the stress of it all would be too much for me just i mean look at i i was gonna say just a moment ago i shouldn't say this but there's a part of me that's like well this always happens when i go out but now more so than ever because i was out for so long today that I'm just like, ah, oh, well, shit. I really, op- I really opened myself up to it. Maybe you know, there's a chance I could have it right now. I gotta. There's nothing I can do about it. It's very stressful, and I'll forget about it tomorrow probably. And hopefully, in like five days, I won't be feeling it. But there's a part of me. It's like, well, you put yourself out there now. And this is, this is. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I was protected, yeah. so yeah. we'll see. You did your best. And uh, um, we hope that I did everything was, I could. Yeah, you did everything you could, and and uh, um, there's really precious little else you can do but worry. And I would say that yeah. that's not in the long run going to help you either. So, just uh, no, no, yeah. Well, I heard a wise uh, expression once where it's if you worry, you die. If you don't worry, you die. So why worry? Yeah, I try to I try to live by that when I can. But I hear you. We'll see. Uh, no callers tonight. Surprising. I thought this was uh, 
a wild episode. Zach Copley really brought the funk to the chat room, and our usual suspects, uh, Jim Vujovic and Chris Pinio, were rocking as usual. So thank you to those guys uh, for listening in. Boy, yeah, uh, once again, people picked up on Chris Pinio's message about uh, incarceration. That, that's gotten quite a bit of attention uh, recently yeah. in the news media. And uh, uh, he was ahead of the curve on that one for sure. So. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, That's why people got to listen to uh, these special reports. We've been we've been ahead of this as long as uh, it's been going on, and we'll see what happens next week. I mean, we couldn't predict. I mean, look, when we started this like six or seven weeks ago, we couldn't. Uh, if we if we if somebody sat us down and had us listen to last week's episode or this week's episode, I don't even know if we'd fucking believe it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I really don't. I think we'd say, wait a minute, there's a million people who have this thing now and uh, you're worried about people injecting themselves with fucking bleach? Like, what is, again, I, I kind of, uh, I kind of, I don't want to say predicted it, but I kind of said before, I'm like, people are going to start getting nutty as this as this month comes to an end. And um it doesn't get much nuttier than the president just uh, splurting out off the top of his head. Hey, why don't we inject people with the shit? So, who knows? Yeah. Who knows where it's going to go? You know, I guess all we can hope is that he has kind of uh, gotten the idea that maybe it's not a good idea to kind of get out there and chew up ideas uh, on on camera. Just like you said, get in the situation room, talk it over, and then come out with a, a more. Um, I guess, uh, finalized version of what your remarks would be. Yeah. That would be an advance. Well, today's was really short, and he didn't take any questions because you know he was going to get shit on for the the whole thing. Um, And apparently the word out now, which could change by tomorrow, uh, is that he's going to scale back his appearances on these things. Oh, really? uh, And I think, yeah. That's the rumor. Huh, interesting. So, yeah. Uh, whether that means he's going to scale back his appearances or they're just going to stop doing them altogether, which would be kind of worrisome because it's like we need a daily <laughs> update. I watch the Cuomo ones. I find those to be more informative and uplifting than the Trump ones. But we need a daily update on what the fuck's going on. So I hope they don't just outright stop doing these announcements and shit. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll hand it over to uh, the vice president and then more of the, the Fauci and Burks. Yeah, yeah, as necessary. So I think that that's how it was at the beginning, and it was very helpful. Yes, it did evolve. Think, things have evolved, and, and so perhaps uh, that need has it been will evolve again. It, I'm almost certain of that. So. I mean, we've got yeah. we've got things like you say. We need the the briefings because now I, I think the next big uh, sort of uh, debate or discussion at least will be about uh, surveillance and uh, strategic testing, not just uh, testing in service of a diagnosis for the clinics, which is important, but strategic testing to figure out where this thing is spreading its tentacles throughout the community, how far is it going, how fast is it going, and is it ticking up, and can we devise a way to to, um, see that as early as possible. We really need an early warning system as we begin to to uh, start to uh, loosen up the restrictions. So I think that's going to occupy people's time and concern, justifiably. Yeah, 
Well, we said it last week uh, that it seemed like we were at a, f- a fulcrum or a, a turning point, and it definitely we're, we're still at that point. I do feel like that just as uh, there seemed to be a sense of normalcy that's kind of taken hold, uh, I think it just feel things just feel a little different. It's hard to put my finger on. But there's less. No, I think you're right. I, th- I think the panic. I think that panic feeling that everybody had um, in March has given way to sort of a normalization in April, and now uh, there's a sort of debate about what to do next. You know, that's kind of yeah. That's kind of where my, yeah. my feeling, my finger on the pulse of things. Absolutely, and I think the other thing that we have to have in the back of our minds is that there may be setbacks that we may go ahead and open up and find out that that didn't work or, you know, maybe it won't work everywhere every time. Each place is going to be different, you know, each region or however we're going to break this down. But we have to understand that there may be setbacks. That doesn't mean the war is lost, uh, but not everything is going to go the way we want it to. That's just reality. Exactly. And, and and though I blame many people for what has happened, I find that it's counterproductive for me. Other people's mileage may vary, but it's counterproductive for me to um, uh, dwell on, on all the things that have gone wrong right now. It's, my yeah. mind is more yeah. along the lines of, we've got to figure this out. Let's, let's, uh, let's figure it out, you know. That's kind of my my attitude. We'll figure out all the blame that should be bestowed upon China and the president and the federal government and all that later. That's probably a good way to look at it, Tim. And honestly, when we do those tallies, we're going to find that there's a lot of things that that went wrong and a lot of directions to point. But for now, we've got bigger problems. And uh, one of them, Dr. uh, Osterholm was talking about, is that as we try to ramp up testing, we're about to hit a wall on, as he put it, reagents and supplies. So like the Dacron swabs that we need uh, or just the chemicals and enzymes to make it go, we can't scale those up infinitely quickly either. And so, you know, we're going to have to solve even more problems. One problem, you know, not enough testing will expose another. This is just the reality of, of what we're up against. Absolutely. So it's uh, an interesting world we find ourselves in once again. So we will uh, be back next week. You're good to go next week, right? I'm not going anywhere. Same here. All right, so we'll be back <laughs> next week with the with the eighth edition of the uh, coronavirus special report with Tim Benall and Tyler Cokejohn, Dr. Tyler Cokejohn. Uh, maybe sh- – <laughs> Maybe we'll have some kind of celebration for crossing the one million mark on uh, cases. Yeah, right. Um, it's uh, I had this like daydream in a sense, this vision, and it's kind of already starting to come to fruition. But I, I hope it doesn't ultimately come to fruition. Of just you know, like that clock in Times Square that counts the national debt. Yes. And it just keeps rolling uh, all the time. There's a part of me that just fears that. That's what we're going to be looking at. It's almost getting there, but it's more like on an hourly basis, where the where the ticker just keeps climbing up and up and up. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 frightening. 
I remember the yeah. the third episode we when we hit a hundred thousand. I'm like, oh shit, you don't think we'll get to a million? Well, we'll be at a million next week. So from episode three at a hundred thousand to episode eight, what's that? Five weeks uh, we'll have hit the million mark. So I don't know what I guess you could say average that out about two hundred thousand cases a, a week, but we'll see what happens. Uh, someday we'll be able to look back on all this and see it with clarity. But for now, we're in the fog of war. Yes, definitely. And the uh, the last thing I would say before the show ends, because I feel like uh, I, I, I want to end things on an uplifting note. It's like, we, you know, man, I see all this where it's like, oh, how the fuck are we going to test all these people? This is going to be tough. And I, I, I'm not talking about what you were talking about with the supplies. I just mean the, the daunting task in general of, of overcoming this thing. But it's like, look at folks, we're the fucking United States of America. We put a man on the moon. We can do this. We're going to do it. And, and this thing will be a, a thing of the past someday. We can overcome this. We're going to figure it out. Uh, so don't despair. That's kind of my, my feeling. Uh, we need, we need a little bit more of a boost to the, to the public morale that, uh, that, that we're going to be all right. We're going to do this. We're going to we're going to beat this virus. We'll figure it out. Uh, and it's not the it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's just a very weird, uh, unfortunate time for America. But we're we're gonna we're gonna come out of this uh, on top, and maybe maybe better than ever. Let's hope. Maybe we'll we'll learn some lessons from this experience, and uh, and, and we'll be a better country coming out of all this, and a better world. You know. So let's hope. Yes, let's hope. We can. We are, there's reason for hope. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. Well, on that note, we will uh, end the program for this evening. Thank you very much, Tyler, for joining me on another uh, misadventure. You know, Sounds you good. can get a larger size bunt cake, you know. So, <laughs> so you don't, because you can't really get a single buntini. They won't deliver, or even, I bet you they won't even do a curbside drop-off of a single buntini. But you can get like a middle, like a buntini squared, you know, like a mid-sized, uh, I don't know what it's called. It's probably like, like a buntlet, I think it is, but I don't know that. I, I'd be almost ashamed if I'm right about that, but it may be a buntlet. So don't don't hesitate to don't hesitate to make the call to Nothing Bunt Cakes. Get yourself a bundlet sometime this weekend if the need arises. Oh, that's the problem. The need will arise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right, brother. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week, and uh, we'll, see what, uh, we'll see what happens in the world out there. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Okay. Everyone be careful. Be safe out there, folks. Good night.